0: Good morning, church. You notice how those young men found out the hard way that they are not as strong as they thought they were? You notice that? They, they nearly dropped this thing. You saw that, right? And I was just determined to stand there watching them, too. Huh? You gotta eat a little, a little, a little more. So, good morning, church. Um, I apologize for the transition, but I kind of feel better here. Uh, I may want to walk among you. I like to I like to move around. Um, I want to ask you to stand with me as we pray so that God can minister to us. I know we've prayed enough, but I enjoy prayer. There's just something about prayer. How many believe in prayer? Let me see your hand. How many really, really, really believe in prayer? Amen. The women in the back say amen. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, we thank you for this morning. We are so grateful. We are so grateful. We are thankful to be here in your house. Father, I'm thankful for what you're doing in my life. And I'm thankful for what you're doing in the lives of your people here in this place. Father, please have your way this morning. Please have your way with us today and for the rest of our lives. We need you more than we know. Help us to understand this as we get into your word this morning. Father, these things we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And the first thing I must do is to apologize to you this morning because I do not have a traditional Thanksgiving message, at least not this Sunday. I was planning to do something like that for next Sunday because... The sermon series that we entered into about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, uh, actually concludes today, and it's regarding the importance of the Word of God in our lives. And and I was juggling this thing midweek in my mind and in my heart, and I was really wrestling with, with it. Do we deliver something traditional, or do I continue with what? God has put in my heart and I made the decision to continue with what God put in my heart about a month and a half ago And that is to discuss the importance of the Word of God in our lives. Amen I I hope and I pray that you will be patient with me in that regards Uh, Don't hate me too much. All right I I know that I know that you were perhaps ready for a Thanksgiving sermon Um, Listen, we could do that next week. It's fine by me, right? Amen. Let the church say amen it's fine by me. I just want to get into God's Word, and I, I really, really want to deliver this to you this morning. Uh, the title is Observing God's Precepts. Observing God's Precepts. And why don't you turn in your Bibles uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And as you're looking for this one particular passage, um, one of the things that comes to my mind when I hear terms like precepts or commandments or anything along those lines, I think of the Mosaic law, or I think of, uh, some of you may just simply refer to it as the, the Old Testament legal system. When I hear precepts and commandments, but that's not the case today. We're, we're, we're certainly not going to be talking about the Mosaic law or the legal system in no way, shape, or form. We're actually going to try to establish the correlation between living out God's Word and the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised us in the New Testament. How many are saved? Let's just gauge for a moment. How many know Jesus today? How many know Jesus? I believe with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength that God has more for you and I, this side of heaven, than what you and I are currently living out. How many believe that? God has more in store for us, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11. For I know the thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a hope and a future, the King James text reads, to give you an expected end. I think we talked about that verse not too long ago. The, the clause, if you will, that's the main clause or the gist of that verse in the Hebrew language actually reads... I'm going to toss you a rope or a lifeline. God dug a pit for his people because of their rebellion. They fell into their pit. They were in captivity for X amount of years. And God was responding through the prophet Jeremiah in that one particular verse by saying, I've heard your cries and I'm about to toss you a lifeline. God has wonderful things in store for us as His people. I just just believe that. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I don't don't go that route. You'll never hear that coming out of my mouth. But I do believe that God wants to bless us beyond our current uh, measure of blessing. How many believe that with me? So, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 12. Now, this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments... Which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. That you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God. To keep all his statutes and his commandments. Which I command you. You and your son and your grandson. All the days of your life. And that your days may be prolonged. You see the correlation there that that, that Moses already made there. Length of days. After keeping commandments. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. That it may be well with you. And that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God. The Lord God of your fathers has promised you. A land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart And with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You should teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You should bind them as a sign on your hand and they should be as frontlets between your eyes. Wow. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. That's that abundant life. Houses full of all good things which you did not fill. Hewn out wells which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant when you have eaten and are full then beware lest you forget the lord who brought you out of the land of egypt from the house of bondage <clears throat> when i first read this passage the first thing that i took note of is the transition that is a, that is actually taking place in this one particular passage concerning god's people they are about to enter into The land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey. But right before they entered, God made sure that he set apart a significant amount of time for his people to hear instruction concerning their future freedom in the land. How many know that there's a price to pay for freedom? How many know that? There's always a price to pray for freedom. I'm, on, I'm going to give you an illustration right here, right off the bat. Um, and it's personal. Most of you know my story. Most of you know my testimony um, in the streets of North Philadelphia. But r- right before I was released from college, they just, they just keep it that way, right? Right? <laughs> right before I was released, I thought you only knew Spanish. Who was that? You seem to understood that, to understand that clearly. So right before I was was released from from college, I learned right away that there was a standard that I have to live by in order to retain my freedom. There was a price for me to pray to pay. In other words, I had to follow instructions. If I did not follow instructions as prescribed by my parole officer, I was going to be going back to jail. I was a counselor, my counselor, That thank you for helping I put my business out there like that. So listen, I had to follow instructions in order to retain my freedom. And the same thing applies for you and I, spiritually. As well, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I have agreed to do exactly that because my Christian life depends upon it. And we're going to look at some verses here today and we're going to discover this truth. And this message, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's important to me. Because when I consider the spiritual landscape of society today, we are not where we used to be. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about society. Society, secular society, has forgotten God altogether. But how many know? I mean, I, I, I know we don't often enjoy talking about these things in the church because the message ought to be a blue sky message, right? When we come into the house of the Lord. At, at least many of us are accustomed to that sort of thing. But listen, it's frightening to think about the trend that is taking place in the house of God the influence of the world has crept into the house of God because we have forgotten God's precepts. We have forgotten the correlation between observing the word of God or the law of God, if you will. Not in that legal sense. We're not addressing salvation here today. Amen, somebody. We are not talking about salvation. We're not talking about losing salvation. We're talking about experiencing the fruitful life As promised by our God in the New Testament. That's what we're talking about here this morning. And that's what this message is about. It's about the correlation between obedience and realizing the abundant life promised to us in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 2 and 3 in this text, please. Verses 2 and 3. Verse 2, actually, there's a section, a clause, if you will. It says, keep the commandments and your days will be prolonged. Look at verse 3. It says, listen and be careful to do it so that your days may be well. Listen and be careful to do it so that your days may be well or that your days may be prolonged. This is not just an Old Testament principle. We're going to keep going. In the New Testament, we refer to this principle as the law of sowing and come on church, i don 't hear you. We refer to this law as the law of sowing and the law of sowing and reaping, and the classic verse is found in Galatians chapter six, verses seven and eight. It actually reads, "Be not deceived, for God cannot be mocked, whatever a man sows or plants that shall he reap whatsoever things we sow." To our flesh, if you sow to your flesh, you shall reap corruption. But if you sow to your spirit, you shall reap life everlasting. I'm talking about the here and now. In Christ Jesus, we have the privilege of receiving God's unconditional grace, His unmerited favor. But listen, my Christian experience, this side of heaven, did not stop when I said yes to Jesus Christ and I experienced that regeneration or that new birth. It didn't stop then. I want to be fruitful this side of heaven. How many want to be fruitful this side of heaven? I want to be fruitful this side of heaven. I want to experience all that God has for me. This side of heaven. I'm actually praying for that, that, um. I'm praying for God to touch Vet's heart and Jen's heart because I want that BMW. I just want that BMW, that one particular BMW, the one he has. <laughs> Vet said, That's not of God. So, the point that I'm trying to make thus far is that God wanted, we're talking about the people, we talk, we're back in the passage. God wanted his people then to recognize the need for genuine. Heart change. For genuine heart change. Look at your text, look at verse six. These words which I am commanding you today shall be in your heart. These words which I am commanding you today shall be in your come on, church. Shall be in your heart. God was not instructing his people on going through the motions. He is not, he wasn't just simply seeking to waste his breath. If you will, he wanted his people to understand that transformation begins in the heart of man. He wanted them to enter into the promised land to experience the land flowing with milk and honey, but to actually do a good job in representing him in the land before the pagans that actually occupied the land. That was very important to God. And we're going to discover today how it is important for you and I today as well. We are talking about the importance of God's word in our lives. Look at verses 7 through 9. To make sure that future generations were blessed as a result, they were instructed to teach their children, etc. Verse 7 says or reads, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Verse 9, you shall write them, etc., etc., etc. So this is premium emphasis on the Word of God. You are about to enter into the land that I have promised you for a very long time. Now hear this, loud and clear. It is imperative that you follow me according to my word. According to my word. That principle that applied so long ago to God's people, to the Hebrew people, still applies to you and I today. So what are we to do with this information? How do we, listen to this, how do we ensure the efficacy, that's the word, how do we ensure the efficacy of God's word in our lives? Look at verse 5. This is where we discover the answer. And this is where we make our application this morning. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So you see, just generally speaking, God wasn't simply trying to influence them with the spirit of religion. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about that. It was about genuine, unadulterated heart change, transformation. I want you to reflect me. I want you to live for me. I want you to acknowledge me. I want you to experience me on the inside of you in, a, in, in, the, in, the, in the best way possible. I want to revolutionize your lives. That's what he was saying to his people then. And that is what God is saying to us as well. So the first point is from that one particular verse. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart. I did a little research. And I looked up all the verses in the Bible that that include the word heart in it. And every verse I read concerning heart refers to the life of an individual. As in one's personal expression, his intentions, his personal choice, or his will. We can narrow it down to our commitment. That's the word. God wants your heart. He wants our heart because he wants our commitment. Proverbs 423 reads as follows. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow or spring or flow the springs of life. I'm going to read that again. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Our life actually flows from our heart. And the heart is mentioned first in this passage because someone once said, as a heart goes, so goes everything else. And that's exactly why it is required for salvation. According to Romans 10.10, 10, the heart determines belief which results in righteousness. Write that down if you want, Romans 10.10, because 10, you've got to look it up. You have to confirm what I'm saying to you here this morning. Romans ten ten, actually we discover this one truth that the heart determines belief, and then the result is righteousness. It is required for salvation. The heart is required for salvation. What do you think becomes of our lives? If we remain heart faithful to Jesus, and I think that's something that John was getting at in John chapter four, verse 24, when he talks about when he acknowledges that God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in. Come on, church, you guys are sleeping this morning. I know you're thinking about a meal. Some of you have a roast in the oven. or oh, wait a minute. Some of you may be thinking about football already. Right? Let's try that one again. For God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in, in spirit and in truth. That type of worship actually requires our hearts. Listen to this. John, or rather Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. You know what? I apologize. Because I got way ahead of myself. I apologize. I got carried away. So point number two is the soul. That verse that we just read In verse chapter 5, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul. I looked that up, and the soul is our created existence, the essence of who we are. And this is the part of us that God desires worship from. He desires our genuine and authentic worship. In other words, he he wants us to fully consecrate ourselves to him. He wants us to fully devote ourselves to him because anything short of that just won't get it. It just doesn't work. God wants our worship. How many believe that this morning? How many really believe it? I know sometimes more often than not we struggle with it with this because it's not easy to live out. I mean, we have so many voices so many voices in society today that are actually vying for our attention. And it becomes difficult, especially when, when we've become so sensitive to the voices of this world. Sensitive to, for example, to the voice of philosophy. It's difficult to denounce those things. Especially when we have to live out a, an eight-hour job, for example. It's hard to live out our faith all the time. But this passage instructs us to first give God our hearts, and secondly, to give, us, to give Him our souls, because He created us. We belong to Him. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He was making the powerful statement to the Corinthians by saying that we were purchased with a price and that we belong to Him. That our souls, our spirits, and our bodies actually belong to God. And one day we're going to give an account. Of ourselves to God how many believe that listen one day we are going to give an account of ourselves to God listen to the way Ezekiel put it in chapter 18 verse 4 he says behold all souls are mine the soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine and the soul who sins shall die we belong to God and we're going to give him an account so God requires our soul worship because that's authentic. That's genuine. He doesn't want my religion. He's not fooled by my religion. He wants my devotion. Can you imagine how it must make God feel when His creation surrenders to Him? Can you imagine what that does to God? When we are willfully devoting and consecrating our lives to Him. That's exactly what Christianity is all about. The classic verse that can be applied to this one particular point was given to us by Paul the Apostle in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It reads as follows, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You, you notice the tone in Paul's voice? He says, yes, I'm acknowledging the reality of this physical life that I'm enjoying. am ready to scrap this thing. Ready to scrap it. Paul's saying, I'm acknowledging this life that God has blessed me with. Nevertheless, though I'm experiencing natural life, I realize that my point in living, my objective in life is to fully and totally consecrate myself to God. How? How so? Through His Word. Listen, miracles begin to take place in our lives when we devote ourselves to God through His Word. When you give yourself over to God, when you denounce everything else in life, when you denounce philosophy, when you denounce all those other voices that exist and you surrender yourself, no matter how old or how young you are, you surrender yourself over to God through the standard of His Word, which is the means by which we ought to live our lives, wonderful things begin to transpire in our lives. How many know that? Wonderful things begin to transpire in our lives. I can't tell you how many friends that I have back east... That actually believe that once once they give their hearts to Jesus Christ, that they were that we are to somehow sit back, and God is automatically going to handle all of our affairs. Just accept Jesus today, sit back and enjoy the ride, because everything is going to unfold automatically by God Himself. Is that Bible? Some pop, some people subscribe to that. Some people believe that it actually is the Word of God. It's not found in the Bible and I'm going to prove it to you this last point is you shall love the Lord thy God with all your might with all your might Now I was wrestling with that one for a little bit so I had to look at the Hebrew the Hebrew word for might in this one particular passage is I'm going to mess this up I'm sure it's me-od, meh-ode it's an adverb and it means force, might and strength. And it's also the equivalent to the Greek word that we find in the fulfilled passage in the New Testament, Mark 12:30, which actually reads, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your strength." Listen to this. The Greek word in Mark 12:30 is "Exiscus," and it means "ability. Force, might, and strength. The implication is that strength ref- refers to our works in the Lord. It refers to our service, or to our abilities, or to our faith walk. James, tw- James chapter 3, rather James 22, 23 puts it this way. Because I know some of you are trying to wrap your minds around all of that stuff. James put it this way. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The Greek word there in James for, righteous, for believed is pistool. And it's a verb. It's saving faith. Abraham made the declaration. When he heard God's voice, he was justified when he responded to God's call. When he made the decision to talk to his parents, Listen, Mommy, Daddy, I'm leaving. I got to go. I have to leave. Where are you going? Well, I, I, I don't know where I'm going actually, but I have to go. Because I have to respond with a yes and amen to God's calling upon my life. The moment he set out is when he was justified by God. It's not enough to make a declaration out of the mouth and have no action behind it. We're going to show you that. Let's look at that. James 2.17 reads as follows. Even so faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. James 2.24 reads, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. We're not talking about salvation here. I am not working to be saved. I am not living out my faith to be saved. I am living out my faith because I am saved. I am serving God today with all my heart, mind, soul and strength not to be saved, but because I am saved. I am a defender of the gospel today, not because I want to be saved, but because I am saved. I'm not preaching this morning the way that I am because I want to be saved or because I want you to be saved, but because we are saved if you, in fact, are know Jesus Christ here today God is addressing our heart, our soul, and our abilities our service to Him in this one particular passage and I think that it behooves us if we truly want to experience a difference in our lives, let's just take a survey, How how many of you want to truly be blessed by God now, now, we are blessed by God in the most important way, in the, funda- the most fundamental way, in that we know Jesus. If you know Jesus, listen, hallelujah, thank God, if, I, if, 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 if this roof falls in on me right now, or on us right now, listen, I'm going up yonder, I'm going up yonder, and I'm ready, and I don't know about you, but I'm going up this way. Listen, look, look I'm going up like this. You, you got to pick your flight posture. You, you got to pick it out. That's Bible. <laughs> Cartagena one nine. That, that's that's the reference. God wants to bless us this side of heaven, and I'm not talking about materialistically. I'm talking about fruitfulness. There's more to God than what you and I are currently experiencing. There's more to God than what you are currently experiencing, and if you want God to invade your life, you have to contribute. We're not talking about salvation. I'm going to keep introducing that in there because I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I'm talking about this growth thing, this developmental thing. I'm talking about the Christ in me enlarging Himself, enhancing Himself within me. I'm talking about change of character, change of personality. I don't want to think the same way anymore. I don't want to behave the same way anymore. I don't want to talk about that behind His back anymore. I'm you, you see, that's how the human heart operates, right? Of course, I'm joking, but Jeremiah 17:9 reads, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The devil's not my worst enemy. I am. And therefore, if I follow, if I take heed to God's instructions in this passage, I'm going to give him my heart. I'm going to give him my heart because that's my commitment to him that's my heart my life flows from my heart he wants my commitment i'm going to give him my soul because that's my worship that's my devotion when i consecrate myself to him i am devoting i'm saying i belong to you not simply because you created me but because you died for me you shed your blood for me and if i want to experience you lord here i am have your way in my life. And lastly, might or strength, a.k.a. ability or service. My service to God. My works, my action, my verb. He wants that from you and not today. Because there's a dying world out there. Let's gauge it this way. With a show of hand, how many know somebody who doesn't know Jesus personally? Is it possible, perhaps, I'm reaching here, but is it possible that there are unsafe people in my circle of friends and family members that I, or rather that God, may only reach through me? Is it possible that there are people in your life that God has placed you in so that you can make a difference in their lives? I know that we're not responsible for saving anybody. I can't save anybody. That's the Holy... I'm about to, I'm about to scrap this. It, it's just... It's not, it's not working, Joey. It's not working. I'm, I'm ready to go to the good old classic microphone right, right in my hand. It's not working, brother. <laughs> so, God wants to use me to make a difference in my family members' lives. Stephanie, right? He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use us all. When I am, what I am saying is that we identify most with the Lord when we are living out His word. We identify most with the Lord when we are living out His word. I don't know about you, but there are pitfalls. There's, I got some issues, right? My issues got issues. Your issues got issues. Right? And sometimes we think badly. And I'm talking in spiritual terms. Listen, sometimes we're dragging around some stuff. You ever walk down the street and you and you see a, a those dog sitters and they got like a million leashes and all these yapping dogs behind them? Listen, that's a funny sight to see, right? We don't see that back east back in Philadelphia. I think that's a California thing, right? No. <laughs> it's everywhere actually. Think in terms, think in spiritual terms. How sometimes you and I because of our failure to give God our hearts, because of our failure to devote our souls, our lives to God, because of our failure sometimes, right? to exercise our service to God whatever that looks like to you sometimes we walk around just like that dog sitter with a bunch of leashes with a bunch of pet sins that we are dragging down the street little yapping issues those difficulties in our lives Paul the Apostle put it this way the sins that easily beset us we live with those things you know that right I, I I can listen. I have them. I got. I, I'm not perfect. My, as my wife, as my wife, I am not perfect. But I'm striving because I love Jesus with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now I have to close. I want to get to dinner just as badly as you do. The ladies say, "Amen." Just as the Lord meant business with His people long ago about keeping His commandments in order to prosper in the promised land, He He desires no less for you and I to follow through with His principles in order to afford us the promised life in Christ Jesus. Or the life He promised us in Christ Jesus. John 10.10 The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, and that you may have it more. I have come that you might have life, and that you may have it more, more abundantly. I want that life. I, listen, forget about Lotto and and, and 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 all that other stuff. I I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need a million dollars. I just don't need it. I don't even want it. Not if it's going to hurt me. You see, if I don't have the capacity to handle it, which I may not, then it may destroy me. I don't want that. I'm not asking God for finances. I'm not even asking God for my physical health. I'm asking God for a heart filled with understanding. I want to know Him more so that I can live out His purpose in my life. How about you? Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this morning. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this word this morning. And it's a challenge, Lord God. It was a challenge to me when you presented it, Lord, because I had to make the decision to forego on a Thanksgiving sermon. I pray that you help us this morning, Lord God. I pray that you strengthen us this morning. Help us to consider as we leave this place As we go our separate ways, help us to consider what that looks like to us. What does it mean to me personally to give you my heart? That's what you said in your word. What does it look like to me, Lord God? For me to give you my soul, to offer that part of me to you. And what does it mean, Lord God? This service thing, this ability, this faith walk. To serve you with all my might or with all my strength. Father, I know that we live in a society today that is depraved in more ways than we could ever imagine. In more ways than we could ever consider or evaluate. It's just too complex out there, Lord. Sin is rampant. And these are the last days. I pray that you help us today, Lord God, as your people, to give you our lives, to give you everything, Lord God. As you tell us in Matthew 6.33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Help us to put you first, Lord God. Help us to surrender our lives over to you. What does that look like, Lord? Lord. What are the things in our lives, Heavenly Father, that we have to denounce, that we have to forsake, that we have to say no to? What are those things, Lord God? Give us that understanding. And keep us, as the Lord prayed in the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What does that look like? Help us to understand that we have to give ourselves completely over to You. That's what it looks like. Because then and only then will we truly be able to experience this abundant life that You promised us long ago. In fact, before the foundation of the world, You promised us an abundance in Your Son. I want that life, Lord God. Your people here this morning, they want that life as well. And Father, there may be somebody here this morning who doesn't know you personally. And I pray, Lord God, as that person has sat through my words in this service, that a faith has come alive in his or her heart. And, if, and, the, and that if he or she is ready to just simply repeat a prayer like this: Say, Dear Jesus, I understand today that I am a sinner. And that you died for me on the cross. I'm inviting you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and to come into my life. I'm receiving you today because I want to be saved. Please forgive all my sins and give me the strength I need to follow you for the rest of my life. Father, we thank you for today. We are thankful for this Thanksgiving weekend. We are thanking you in advance for the meal that we're about to partake in. We're thankful for the fellowship that we're going to engage in. We are thankful for relationships and for family members that are here with us this morning. We love you, Lord. And we devote our lives to you now in Jesus' name. And God's people say. Come on, one more time. God's people say. One more time. God's people say. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Look, I broke a record. 1208. Not 1235, not 1240, 1208. So you can't complain. (laughs) God bless you guys.